Well, hello there. It's time for Go To Bed. The podcast where we tell you, calm down, chill out, don't worry about it. Listen to some stories. And it's time for Go To Bed. It is, but don't fall asleep on us. Yeah, don't do that. Actually, if you have to, do it. Sure. That's what we're here for. Or if you're a podcast listener, this might be just the thing for you to go to bed to. This is the one. I'm the Suze, and uh, I bring you my friend and companion, soulmate, Kenny Pick. Yep, that's me. Of, of It Came From Cleveland, yeah. which is tomorrow. So yes. you might want to jump on that tomorrow if you don't sure. want to if you want to stay up all night yeah it's party time but then i this party. this is a little more subdued here on yeah for go to bed but this is all chillax sure yeah. i, I mean and stuff oops i think we're edging in is this episode number nine sounds about right number nine number nine sorry cheesy Beatles reference and I burped I apologize oh goodness too. how could you uh, Diet Dr. Pepper just... and some of those uh, some of those uh, those Utz white cheddar baseball cheese puff things yeah because the cheese, America the cheese and the grease on those things do really weird things to your fingers it's like you know even though you wipe them with a napkin it's like I, I, I just gotta go wash my hands. <laughs> yeah. Just lick your fingers Not when nobody's looking. Not lick them. Lick them. Do it. Don't want to. Do it. It's cheesy goodness. You're wasting cheesy goodness. It's made with real cheddar cheese. It is. They're delicious. If nobody's ever had them, Utz makes these things called baseballs, and they're they're cheese balls, but it's white cheddar cheese and. They are addictive. I'm glad I don't eat like I used to, or I, I would devour. I could have devoured that bag in a whole sitting. And then I would say, "What happened to the whole bag of cheese puffs?" Hey, what happened? Ken's been have... watching The Office a lot, where they catch cheese balls in their mouth. Well, that was one episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it made but... me want cheese balls. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, here we are. So. Summer, full on summer. Oh, we are past midsummer. Um, my, summer has started. My mom just had her birthday yesterday. We called her, and we called her and sent that was her nice. Amazon gift card. She was happy about that. And tomorrow, the fence company arrives. Fences oh my god, make, it's tomorrow already. Oh, fences make oh great gosh. neighbors. Better neighbors. I, I, I got an email right house. right after I got off the phone with, uh, uh, not off the phone, but off of Discord with my, it came from Cleveland meeting with Joe, Miles, and Michelle. And I looked down at my phone and there's a notification for an email and it's from the, uh, it's from the fence company. And there we go. They said, weather permitting, they're going to be out here working on our fence. So we should have, our fence should be done by Monday at the latest. I mean, I, I think putting up a fence on our property 
it can't be more than a day or two worth of work. It's really half the fence because half the fence is already done. So. <coughs> yeah, well, a quarter of the fence is already done. So yeah, okay. But uh, but yeah, we'll so, have and, gates. And we'll have a fence. We won't have to look at the neighbors' um mud, dog crappy shit. yard. Yeah, mud pit or the dog shit mud pit is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, nasty. So in their damned kitty pool mosquito breeding ground. <laughs> oh. So yeah. So anyway, everybody. Uh, yeah. So that's what's going on with us. But yeah, we we have a lot of stories to get into tonight. Of course, on deck we have Ozma of Oz, chapter seventeen and eighteen. Another installment of Wormwood Forest. Uh, we got another episode of Popeye. There's not a lot of them, so we're just gonna try and exhaust them one a week, one a week for the rest of the month, I suppose. And uh, two episodes of Jerry the Circus. And mm -hmm. I thought I would throw some five-minute mysteries at you guys, um, you know, uh, and and see what you think of those for uh, for the mix here and in audio exploration and storytelling here on it came. Yeah. From, uh, I'm sorry. From uh, on in time for go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah we're getting close to the end of Ozma of Oz and the next book in the series is Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. Shall we go on with us? I'm a big fan of it. I think so. I want to hear from other people if they like Oz. I know. Uh, I know Foxfire is. I think say everybody yes. does. I know Foxfire. I think Foxfire is all fired up for it. Well, yeah. and her, uh, she being our uh, resident uh, show show art provider, I think she'd probably mm -hmm. like that material for her uh, uh, drawings of kiddo. So. Yeah, to continue to be inspired, I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah but, but whatever, yeah. you know, um, but whatever you want. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe Popeye could be worked into a kiddo drawing sometime. So, uh, <laughs> Kiddo uh, eating spinach would be cute. Who oh knows? Oh, my God. And he could get muscle I think on his he little flippers. He could, get muscly, hmm? he could get muscly little flippers. Oh, my gosh. That would be adorable. <laughs> So, so adorable. So many things are adorable. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. We we cannot kibitz. We cannot kibitz on the art. I, I try not to, you know, because she's creative enough without us uh, tainting her eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Heather likes Oz. Heather's go. pro Oz. Good. So, uh, living is yeah. uh, in in on board too. So anyway, cool. Uh, okay. sh shall we proceed with? Oh, there's our kiddo teaser. Oh, cute. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there he is, teasing us. He's, he's grabbing for something. He's grabbing for something. Uh, I think it's packaging. I don't know. I, I've been I've been fooled many times. So uh, <laughs> she, she does a good job of cropping. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, let's get to Chapter 17. Of Ozma okay. of Oz, I believe this one is uh, the scare. I think it's called the Scarecrow's Triumph or Victory or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. They'll, they'll Sounds good to me. We'll do uh, it. Here's Chapter Seventeen coming at you. Thank you. Chapter Seventeen of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer. Please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 17. 
The Scarecrow Wins the Fight After Belina had entered the palace, Dorothy and Evering sat down to await the success or failure of her mission, and the Gnome King occupied his throne and smoked his long pipe for a while in a cheerful and contented mood. Then the bell above the throne, which sounded whenever an enchantment was broken, began to ring, and the king gave a start of annoyance and exclaimed, Rickety rockets! When the bell rang a second time, the king shouted angrily, Smudged blazes! And at a third ring, he screamed in a fury, Hippocaloric! Which must be a dreadful word, because we don't know what it means. After that the bell went on ringing time after time, but the king was now so violently enraged that he could not utter a word, but hopped out of his throne and all around the room in a mad frenzy, so that he reminded Dorothy of a jumping-jack. The girl was, for her part, filled with joy at every peal of the bell, for it announced the fact that Belina had transformed one more ornament into a living person. Dorothy was also amazed at Belina's success, for she could not imagine how the yellow hen was able to guess correctly from all the bewildering number of articles clustered in the rooms of the palace. But after she had counted ten, and the bell continued to ring, she knew that not only the royal family of Ev, but Ozma and her followers also, were being restored to their natural forms and she was so delighted that the antics of the angry king only made her laugh merrily. Perhaps the little monarch could not be more furious than he was before, but the girl's laughter nearly drove him frantic, and he roared at her like a savage beast. Then, as he found that all his enchantments were likely to be dispelled, and his victims every one set free, he suddenly ran to the little door that opened upon the balcony and gave the shrill whistle that summoned his warriors. At once the army filed out of the gold and silver doors in great numbers and marched up a winding stairs and into the throne room, led by a stern-featured gnome who was their captain. When they had nearly filled the throne room, they formed ranks in the big underground cavern below and then stood still until they were told what to do next. Dorothy had pressed back to one side of the cavern when the warriors entered, and now she stood holding little Prince Evering's hand while the great lion crouched on one side and the enormous tiger crouched on the other side. "'Seize that girl!' shouted the king to his captain, and a group of warriors sprang forward to obey. But both the lion and tiger snarled so fiercely and bared their strong, sharp teeth so threateningly that the men drew back in alarm." "'Don't mind them!' cried the Gnome King. "'They cannot leap beyond the places where they now stand.' "'But they can bite those who attempt to touch the girl,' said the captain. "'I'll fix that,' answered the King. "'I'll enchant them again, so they can't open their jaws.' He stepped out of the throne to do this, but just then the sawhorse ran up behind him and gave the fat monarch a powerful kick with both his wooden hind legs." "'Ow! Murder! Treason!' yelled the king, who had been hurled against several of his warriors and was considerably bruised. "'Who did that?' "'I did,' growled the sawhorse viciously. "'You let Dorothy alone or I'll kick you again.' "'We'll see about that,' replied the king, and at once he waved his hand toward the sawhorse and muttered a magical word. "'Aha!' he continued. "'Now let us see you move, you wooden mule!' 
but in spite of the magic the sawhorse moved, and he moved so quickly toward the king that the fat little man could not get out of his way. Thump! Bang! came the wooden heels, right against his round body, and the king flew into the air and fell upon the head of his captain, who let him drop flat upon the ground. Well, well, said the king, sitting up and looking surprised. Why didn't my magic belt work, I wonder? The creature is made of wood, replied the captain. Your magic will not work on wood, you know. Ah, I'd forgotten that, said the king, getting up and limping to his throne. Very well, let the girl alone. She can't escape us anyway. The warriors, who had been rather confused by these incidents, now formed their ranks again, and the sawhorse pranced across the room to Dorothy and took a position beside the hungry tiger. At that moment, the doors that led to the palace flew open, and the people of Ev and the people of Oz were disclosed to view. They paused, astonished, at sight of the warriors and the angry gnome king seated in their midst. Surrender! cried the king in a loud voice. You are my prisoners! Go along! answered Bellina from the scarecrow's shoulder. You promised me that if I guessed correctly, my friends and I might depart in safety, and you always keep your promises. I said that you might leave the palace in safety, retorted the king. And so you may, but you cannot leave my dominions. You are my prisoners, and I will hurl you all into my underground dungeons, where the volcanic fires glow, and the molten lava flows in every direction, and the air is hotter than blue blazes. That will be the end of me, all right said the scarecrow sorrowfully. One small blaze, blue or green, is enough to reduce me to an ash heap. Do you surrender? demanded the king. Bellina whispered something in the scarecrow's ear that made him smile and put his hands in his jacket pockets. No, returned Ozma, boldly answering the king. Then she said to her army, Forward, my brave soldiers! and fight for your ruler and yourselves unto death. Pardon me, most royal Ozma, replied one of her generals, but I find that I and my brother officers all suffer from heart disease, and the slightest excitement might kill us. If we fight, we may get excited. Would it not be well for us to avoid this grave danger? Soldiers should not have heart disease, said Ozma. Private soldiers are not, I believe, afflicted that way, declared another general, twirling his mustache thoughtfully. If your royal highness desires, we will order our private to attack yonder warriors. Do so, replied Ozma. Forward, march! cried all the generals with one voice. Forward, march! yelled the colonels. Forward, march! shouted the majors. Forward, march! commanded the captains, and at that the private leveled his spear and dashed furiously upon the foe. The captain of the gnomes was so surprised by the sudden onslaught that he forgot to command his warriors to fight, so that the ten men in the first row, who stood in front of the private's spear, fell over like so many toy soldiers. The spear could not go through their steel armor, however, so the warriors scrambled to their feet again, and by that time the private had knocked over another row of them. Then the captain brought down his battle-axe with such a strong blow that the private's spear was shattered and knocked from his grasp, 
and he was helpless to fight any longer. The Nome King had left his throne and pressed through his warriors to the front ranks so that he could see what was going on, but as he faced Ozma and her friends, the scarecrow, as if aroused to action by the valor of the private, drew one of Bellina's eggs from his right jacket pocket and hurled it straight at the little monarch's head. It struck him squarely in his left eye, where the egg smashed and scattered, as eggs will, and covered his face and hair and beard with its sticky contents. Help! Help! screamed the king, clawing with his fingers at the egg in a struggle to remove it. An egg! An egg! Run for your lives! shouted the captain of the gnomes in a voice of horror. And how they did run! The warriors fairly tumbled over one another in their efforts to escape the fatal poison of that awful egg, and those who could not rush down the winding stair fell off the balcony into the great cavern beneath, knocking over those who stood below them. Even while the king was still yelling for help, his throne room became emptied of every one of his warriors, and before the monarch had managed to clear the egg away from his left eye, the scarecrow threw the second egg against his right eye, where it smashed and blinded him entirely. The king was unable to flee because he could not see which way to run. So he stood still and howled and shouted and screamed in abject fear. While this was going on, Bellina flew over to Dorothy, and perching herself upon the lion's back, the hen whispered eagerly to the girl, Get his belt! Get the known king's jewel belt! It unbuckles in the back! Quick, Dorothy, quick! End of chapter 17、oh、my goodness yeah, I'm not a fan of this narrator.、Uh, what? Yeah, is this a new narrator? Yeah, I think they switched it up on a few occasions. Because she's doing things that are action oriented? But she's not doing them in a very s e r i o u s She's kind of reading it like this, as if it's a presentation to some children who are paying it, and they're having a hard time paying attention. And、so. she's also making everything a question, which is driving me a little out of my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, uh. So, yeah. But, yeah, so. But, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Kiddo's got the eggs. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, was that last week or the week before? No, I think this is a new one. I've never seen it. No, the, I mean, the one that Foxfire just posted, that's a, that's a detail from one that she already did. Oh, it is? Yeah. So awesome. I maybe was I was thinking, maybe it was more、before. in the spring, so I wasn't thinking about the, uh. It's from the week before, because she did the barbecue one last,、uh, last week. Yeah. So with b e l i n a slamming beers. Nah. So. Kiddo. Slamming beers. Yeah. But, uh. But, yeah. So, well, there you go. You know, this is, uh, um, experimental warfare. Yeah. Uh, the, uh. That wasn't right. The gnomes are in excruciating、right. pain. Oh, that wasn't right either. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Foxfire says, You know how some people end every statement with a question? They need to stop it. 
<laughs> it's true. Need to stop it. Yeah. So. All That's right. That's how I feel. Drives shall me we, a little nuts. Shall we race Thank along? God we have another mm-hmm. one. We have another chapter because I, that would be horrible to leave it hanging at that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh Yeah. Let's jump back into Ozma of Oz with chapter 18. All right. Chapter 18 of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 18. The Fate of the Tin Woodmen. Dorothy obeyed. She ran at once behind the Gnome King, who was still trying to free his eyes from the egg. And in a twinkling, she had unbuckled his splendid jeweled belt and carried it away with her to her place beside the tiger and lion, where, because she did not know what else to do with it, she fastened it around her own slim waist. Just then, the chief steward rushed in with a sponge and a bowl of water and began mopping away the broken eggs from his master's face. In a few minutes, and while all the party stood looking on, the king regained the use of his eyes, and the first thing he did was to glare wickedly upon the scarecrow and exclaim, I'll make you suffer for this, you hay-stuffed dummy. Don't you know that eggs are poison to gnomes? Really, said the scarecrow. They don't seem to agree with you, although I wonder why. They were strictly fresh and above suspicion, said Bilna. You ought to be glad to get them. I'll transform you all into scorpions cried the king angrily, and began waving his arms and muttering magic words. But none of the people became scorpions. So the king stopped and looked at them in surprise. What's wrong? he asked. Why, you are not wearing your magic belt, replied the chief steward, after looking the king over carefully. Where is it? What have you done with it? The gnome king clapped his hand to his waist, and his rock-colored face turned white as chalk. It's gone! he cried helplessly. It's gone, and I am ruined! Dorothy now stepped forward and said, Royal Ozma, and you, Queen of Ev, I welcome you and your people back to the land of the living. Belina has saved you from your troubles, and now we will leave this dreadful place and return to Ev as soon as possible. While the child spoke, they could all see that she wore the magic belt, and a great cheer went up from all her friends, which was led by the voices of the scarecrow and the private. But the gnome king did not join them. He crept back on his throne like a whipped dog and lay there bitterly bemoaning his defeat. But we have not yet found my faithful follower, the tin woodman, said Ozma to Dorothy. And without him, I do not wish to go away. Nor I, replied Dorothy quickly. Wasn't he in the palace? He must be there, said Bilna. But I had no clue to guide me in guessing the tin woodman, so I must have missed him. We will go back into the rooms, said Dorothy. This magic belt, I am sure, will help us to find our dear old friend. So she re-entered the palace. 
the doors of which still stood open. And everyone followed her except the Gnome King, the Queen of Ev, and Prince Evering. The mother had taken the little prince in her lap and was fondling and kissing him lovingly, for he was her youngest born. But the others went with Dorothy, and when she came to the middle of the first room, the girl waved her hand as she'd seen the king do and commanded the tin woodman, whatever form he might have had, to resume his proper shape. No result followed this attempt, so Dorothy went into another room and repeated it, and so through all the rooms of the palace. Yet the tin woodman did not appear to them, nor could they imagine which among the thousands of ornaments was the transformed friend. Sadly, they returned to the throne room, where the king, seeing that they had met with failure, jeered at Dorothy, saying, You do not know how to use my belt, so it is of no use to you. Give it back to me, and I will let you all go free. You and all the people who came with you. As for the royal family of Ev, they are my slaves and shall remain here. I shall keep the belt, said Dorothy. But how could you escape without my consent? asked the king. Easily enough, answered the girl. All we need to do is to walk out the way that we came in. Oh, that's all, is it? sneered the king. Well, where is the passage through which you entered this room? They all looked around, but could not discover the place, for it had long since been closed. Dorothy, however, would not be dismayed. She waved her hand toward the seemingly solid wall of the cavern and said, I command the passage to open. Instantly the order was obeyed. The opening appeared, and the passage lay plainly before them. The king was amazed, and all the others overjoyed. Why, then, if the belt obeys you, were we unable to discover the Tin Woodman? asked Ozma. I can't imagine, said Dorothy. See here, girl, proposed the king eagerly. Give me the belt, and I will tell you what shape the tin woodman was changed into, and then you can easily find him. Dorothy hesitated, but Bilna cried out, Don't you do it! If the gnome king gets the belt again, he will make every one of us prisoners, for we will be in his power. Only by keeping the belt, Dorothy, will you ever be able to leave this place in safety. I think that is true, said the scarecrow. But I have another idea, due to my excellent brains. Let Dorothy transform the king into a goose egg, unless he agrees to go into the palace and bring out to us the ornament which is our friend Nick Chopper, the Tin Woodman. A goose egg! echoed the horrified king. How dreadful! Well, a goose egg you will be, unless you go and fetch us the ornament we want declared Bilna with a joyful chuckle. <laughs> you can see for yourself that Dorothy is able to use the magic belt all right, added the scarecrow. The Gnome King thought it over and finally consented, for he did not want to be a goose egg. So he went into the palace to get the ornament, which was the transformation of the Tin Woodman and they all awaited his return with considerable impatience, 
for they were anxious to leave this underground cavern and see the sunshine once more. But when the Gnome King came back, he brought nothing with him except a puzzled and anxious expression upon his face. He's gone, he said. The Tin Woodsman is nowhere in the palace. Are you sure? asked Ozma sternly. I'm very sure, answered the King trembling. For I know exactly what I transformed him into, and exactly where he stood. But he is not there, and please don't change me into a goose egg, because I have done the best I could. They were all silent for a time, and then Dorothy said, There is no use punishing the Gnome King any more, and I'm afraid we'll have to go away without our friend. If he is not here, we cannot rescue him, agreed the Scarecrow sadly. Poor Nick, I wonder what has become of him. And he owed me six weeks back pay, said one of the generals, wiping the tears from his eyes with his gold-laced coat sleeve. Very sorrowfully they determined to return to the upper world without their former companion, and so Ozma gave the order to begin the march through the passage. The army went first, and then the royal family of Ev and afterwards came Dorothy, Ozma, Bilna, the Scarecrow, and Tick-Tock. They left the Gnome King scowling at them from his throne, and had no thought of danger until Ozma chanced to look back and saw a large number of the warriors following them in full chase, with their swords and spears and axes raised to strike down the fugitives as soon as they drew near enough. Evidently, the Gnome King had made this last attempt to prevent their escaping him. But it did him no good, for when Dorothy saw the danger they were in, she stopped and waved her hand and whispered a command to the magic belt. Instantly, the foremost warriors became eggs, which rolled upon the floor of the cavern in such numbers that those behind could not advance without stepping upon them. But when they saw the eggs, all desire to advance departed from the warriors, and they turned and fled madly into the caverner and refused to go back again. Our friends had no further trouble in reaching the end of the passage, and soon were standing in the outer air upon the gloomy path between the two high mountains. But the way to Ev lay plainly before them, and they fervently hoped that they had seen the last of the Gnome King and his dreadful palace. The cavalcade was led by Ozma, mounted on the cowardly lion, and the Queen of Ev, who rode upon the back of the tiger. The children of the Queen walked behind her hand in hand. Dorothy rode on the sawhorse, while the scarecrow walked and commanded the army in the absence of the Tin Woodmen. Presently the way began to lighten and more of the sunshine to come in between the two mountains, and before long they heard the thump, thump, thump of the giant's hammer upon the road. How may we pass the monstrous man of iron? asked the queen, anxious for the safety of her children, but Dorothy solved the problem by a word to the magic belt. The giant paused, with his hammer held motionless in the air, thus allowing the entire party to pass between his cast-iron legs in safety. End of chapter 18
Recorded by Lyle Wilson. Special thanks to Bilma. Ah, yeah, I, 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 I'm confused about Bilma. What is Bilma? I thought it was Bilma. Belina. He, it's Belina. He's saying Bilma. He's he's missing the uh, e. He's saying. Is that how the gnome king would say it? No, that's how this dipshit dude doesn't know the characters in the story says it. Oh, what dipshit? The guy who was reading the story. Oh, okay, okay. He I said Bilna like oh, four times. Oh, I didn't times. hear it. That's fine. Sorry. Yeah, no. Oh, okay, I thought we were on the same page. Sorry. Uh, um, no. Yeah, he, totally he kept Totally different pages. Now I don't, now I understand. Yeah, he said Bilna several times and me and, uh, Foxfire, we're like, ah, <laughs> drives like, you crazy. Sound it out, buddy. Sound it out. I prefer him than the person that was saying the story, and the this is how the story was said in this one. And time, then everyone ran camp. out at band camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because that's gonna drive me crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we, we're going crazy with the, uh, the gifts over in the chat room right now. Yeah, everybody's so, having a good time. That's good. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm happy. That's a good place to stop because, uh, we don't want to, you don't want to leave too much of a cliffhanger. Like a no. eight-year-old boy in jail or something, you know. <laughs> That's what Jerry in the, of the circus is all about. Of yeah, course. that's what Cheerio the Circus did for um, Susie Skunk and. Well, yeah, and don't and forget Miss Jerry. Miss Kitty this... just sobbing hysterically over nothing. And don't don't forget the the mustache twirler tossed his uh, brainwashed buddy off a train last week on uh, Jerry the Circus. It's <laughs> so crazy, yeah. So. It just leaves us in a weird spot. Yeah. yeah. It does. Well, would you like to, uh, uh, as a special treat, um, try and uh, uh, listen to a five-minute mystery before we get to Wormwood Forest? I would. All right. Uh, so here is uh, here's a five-minute mystery. See if you can solve it in the five I minutes. I will. In the five minutes allotted. <laughs> Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy, <laughs> nearly got my heart tanned off of my paw. 
It's a cavern to Marty Treacher's place. You mean it's uh, easy to get lost in? Yeah, not only that, Doc. It said cavern gas, carbon uh, something. Carbon dioxide? Yes, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, then you're out. Still, people seem to go exploring there. More fools you be. I wouldn't go into them caverns. Least twice, not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gatty, your friend is dead. Yeah, poor Patsy. It was from the gas, wasn't it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. And where did you go in that cavern, anyway? Well, Patsy asked me to. He never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Well, where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We, we tried to trace our way back, but it wasn't no use. And Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yes, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutton Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself. But we stuck together, you know, walking in the dark with only my flash in the car. And all of a sudden, Patsy keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. Yeah. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure. I, I figure it was only because I'm five foot three that I got out of there alive. And the gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah. And what do you think of that, Jock Melville? I think you'd better arrest Mr. Gatty for the murder of his friend, Patsy. <laughs> and Gatty's story. Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lamb and Dr. Melville. But first... When you're in Green's Gap Jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really met gas, you would have keeled over first before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. <laughs> figured it out. Foxfire figured it out. Suze, did you uh, figure it out? Nope. Well, they said in the beginning they used to take dogs into the mine. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, 
and the, the gas was heavier and it settled and it would kill dogs, which is yeah. a real nice practice. I got to say real classy guys. Classy. And yeah. this guy was like, hey, I'm five foot three, and the gas was at least a foot over my head. Well, the gas sinks down low, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, there was. There was. Five-minute mystery, everyone. Lots of organ. I mean, the music is, is almost as long as uh, Jerry the Circus. Yeah. So yeah, it, well, not quite, but yeah, it is a little long. So that's good that if you kind of mute it, we can talk through it. But you know, well, it's not that long. I'm I'm just you know, but uh, yeah. we certainly will when it comes time for Jerry the Circus, though. Um, yeah. But uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Uh, Michelle uh, said, because uh, the guy said, geez, you need a college education to be a murderer nowadays. And she's like a college Asian or, or a murderous cult. Size. <laughs> and um, It's true. Yeah. Yeah, Canary's in the coal mine. One yeah. Piece, I would imagine. But. Yeah. So, are we ready to go see our critter pals in uh, Wormwood Forest? Yeah, let's do it. See what those critters are up to. Yeah, they won't be sending any dogs down to a coal mine. No. All right. Probably not. Time for the crappy sound and rooster. <laughs> oh boy, another day in Wormwood Forest. Hello, boys and girls. Again, it's time for another visit with our animal friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away, listen a while you'll want to stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello, everybody, this is Dippy Dwarf. Today, Gerald Grasshopper has no junk, and the pig has no stopping place. So don't leave your radio, listen to our animal show. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. That building noise. Oh, hello, Gerald Grasshopper. Hi, Dippy Dwarf. Watching the beavers build the pig's new hotel. That's right. Won't be long now till it'll be completed. I reckon so. Say, they're stopping work. Guess they're knocking off for lunch. Uh, Grasshopper, don't you feel well? Well, my health is all right, Dippy, but business is bad. Your junk business? Yep. Used to be a junk business. Now it's nothing. No junk to sell. Oh, that's too bad. I would give you some of the old junk in the cellar, but I'll be needing it. We're going to put it in the frog's room. <laughs> Did I hear someone mention my name? Hi, Frankie Frog. Uh, hiya, Gerald. Uh, you leaving? Yep. Guess I'll mosey along. Bye, Shorty. Hey, goodbye, Gerald. Oh, poor fellow. He hasn't any junk. Yeah, but I got a piece of chocolate pie. Want a bite? Oh, stop this. Oh, you messed up my beard. Got chocolate all over my face. Here, let me take your beard and dry your face. There. Oh, thank you, Frog. Will you leave me alone? Yeah, I think I'll hop across the street and see how things are coming along. Well, don't hurry back. Don't worry, I'll be back in time for lunch. <laughs> Hiya, Barbecue Big. Hello, Franklin Frog. Hey, your hotel soon be ready to live in, won't it? I suppose so. Look at that conus. And that window seal is slanting. I bet you can't wait to move in. Gee, a new hotel. Everything just the way you want it? Well, hardly the way I want it. 
Franklin, does that window facing look plum to you? Yeah, I don't see any plums on it. I simply must speak to my contractors. Oh, eager beaver! Oh, good day, barbecue pig. How do you find your hotel this morning? Pretty nifty, eh? Yes, ma'am, yes, indeedy. Except for a few details. You know, eager beaver, it must be wonderful to be in the construction business. Franklin, I wish to speak to the beaver. Taking rocks and wood and stuff and building things? Franklin, I want to talk to the beaver. Gee... Let's build a hotel for the pig, a lovely hotel for the pig, with brick and lumber and rivets to make it strong. We'll hear the sound of hammering out yonder where the roof begins. Beaver to guide us as we go building along. If you're quite through interrupting me, I should like to speak to the eager beaver. No, don't mind me. Go right ahead. Eager beaver! I shall attempt to give you my undivided attention, pig. Thank you. I've been looking over the hotel, and I'm not quite satisfied with all of the details. I gather you'd like to make a few changes. Well, I hardly know enough about buildings and architecture to offer any concrete suggestions. Concrete? I thought you were going to use bricks and cement. Franklin, come here. Yeah, yes, pig. Take this. Yeah. Now, where was our beaver? You wish to make a few suggestions, and feel free to go right ahead. The Eager Beaver Building Corporation is eager to satisfy. Yes, ma'am, yes, indeedy. Well, I do wish that you'd widen that little, make that cornice a bit rounder on the edges, rabbit the joints of uprights, bevel the panel in the wainscot. Beaver, do you follow me? Check, pig, way ahead of you. You think we can make enough changes in the hotel to suit you, or should we tear it down and start all over from the ground up? Heavens, no, don't start from the ground up. Go from the ground down. This time I want a basement. Hey, Debbie, uh, the pig is making the beaver tear down the hotel. Wait, I thought the hotel was almost finished, Frankie. Yeah, it was, but she changed her mind about the way she wanted it built. Now he has to build it all over again. Hey, poor beaver. But I suppose it's all right as long as the pig pays him for doing it. Oh, she can afford it. Gee, wish I had that pig's money. Then I wouldn't have to walk my kitty. We could take a taxi. Are you going somewhere with kitty? Yep. We're going off to Susie Skunk's for tea. Oh, there's kitty now, coming down the steps. Hello, dream frog. Uh, hiya, kitty baby. Hello, Dippy. Goodbye. Hey, that was quick. Leaving so soon? Yes. Don't you know you should never keep Susie Skunk waiting? Hey, look across the road, kittikins. Oh, they're tearing down the hotel. Yeah, it was almost completed, too. The pig wasn't satisfied with it? Nope. She wanted so many things changed that it was simpler to start all over from scratch. Well, what changes did she want made? Well, listen closely as we walk by and you'll hear a few. She's still telling him all about it. This time, Eager Beaver, I want the hot water pipes to run down along the corners from the baseboard to the wallpaper border. And the casement should be reversible. The radiator should be placed under the transoms. The bathtubs must go in the hall closets. The brooms in the linen closet. The fire extinguisher should hang on the left-handed doorknobs only. Gee, Gullikins, if the Beaver makes all those changes, the hotel won't be finished until next Halloween. And if we don't start hopping, Kitty, we'll be late for Sue's tea party. Oh, dumb clock, the woodchucky. Oh, what is it, sweetie Susie Skunky? 
Have you seen my teapot? Is that it hanging in the twin tubs? Oh, yes. Now, where are the tea bags? In your purse. Oh, of course. You're so rememberish, Chucky. Now, where's my purse? Under the scatter rug. What, Chucky? I just don't know what I'd do without you. You always remember everything. Yes, I like to remember. Remember the night, the night you said I love you. Remember <laughs> you promised that you'd forget me not, but you forgot to remember. Remember? Oh, Chucky, when you sing to me, I can remember everything. What was I looking for a minute ago? Your purse under the scatter rug. So I was. Under the scatter... It's not here. Well, concentrate. Try to think of where you might have put it. In the sink or in the cookie jar. Oh, I remember now. It's in the sugar bowl. Your purse is in the sugar bowl? Uh Uh-huh. Someone told me it was the sweetest little purse. Ah, here it is. Now to see if my tea bags are in it. Toothpicks, a jar of prickly pear pickles, yes. a portable mugwump. What's your mugwump? That's a good question. Pinwheel can opener, a cold waffle. Oh, oh my goodness sake. A goldfish bowl. Any goldfish in it? What did you expect? Whales? Oh, here are the tea bags. Oh, goody. <laughs> oh, goodness, someone's at the door. Well, you see who it is, and and I'll heat the water for the tea. Yes, sir. I'm coming. If you're working your way through beauty school by selling Marcel's, I don't... Oh, hello, Kitty and Frankie Frog. Hello, Susie. Yeah, hiya, Sue. Are we late? Oh, gracious, no. Dunclock just put the water on for the tea. Oh, good. May we come in? Oh, pardon me. That cold air numbed my brain. Yeah, the cold air numbed my fog feet. From a spats down, I don't know what's what. Oh, it's nice and warm in here. Yeah, let me get up close to the fire, please. Careful, Frankie, don't scorch your frog skin. Susie, the water's hot. Well, bring the teapot into the parlor. I have the other tea things in here, Chucky. All righty. I know, folks. Hi, you woodchuck. Hello, dumb cluck. Pour the tea in this cup, Chucky. All right. Yeah. And I dip the tea bag into for just a second. Where? Here's a hot cup of tea, Kitty. Oh, thanks. It will refresh me. Oh, Susie, this is awful. No, it's tea. It tastes awful to me. Here, you taste it. Very well. Oh, what a taste. Here, let me taste it. It's terrible. Not to be left out. I, too, shall taste it. Oh, for goodness sakes. Susie, can this isn't tea? It's not. Well, let me look at the tea bags. Uh-huh. They're not tea bags at all. Well, what are they? Sachet bags to make my purse smell sweet. Well, they might make things smell sweet, but sachet bags don't make good tea, believe me. Well, there's only one thing to do with this cup of tea. What's, What's that? that? I'll raise the window and throw it out. There. Hey, what's going on here? You'll get my sail all wet. Oh, sorry, Timothy Turtle. But that tea isn't good for anything else. Well, how you like that? Pouring no good tea on me. It's getting so a turtle can't sleep anywhere. Guess I'll have to crawl somewhere else. 
What a life. Hey, turtle, wait for me, boy. Oh, hi, Gerald Gricehopper. You look sort of down in the shell, turtle boy. I I am. Life can be so disheartening. That it can. Right now, Tim, you're gazing at a broken grasshopper. Did you fall and break yourself, Gerald? Well, not that kind of broke. Oh. Financially, I'm broke. Busted. Oh, then the junk business isn't any good? It would be if I had any junk to sell, but I haven't any junk left. Can't you buy any more? Nope. Nobody has any junk to sell this time of year. No junk, no money. Ain't it awful? Now I ain't got no junk that nobody buys from me. And I'm so broken, busted. What somebody gives some junk to me? Cause I ain't got no junk, and nobody buys from me. Can't buy tobacco unless I get some junk. If I don't get some junk to sell soon, I'll probably starve. Might even have to give up chewing the backy. Hey, careful where you chuck that tobacco, Gricehopper. The corner of that building just caved in. Well, had no idea it was that strong. I'll try it again. Did you see that? Sure is powerful tobacco. <laughs> Try it once more, Gerald. Okay, here goes. Hey, hey, hold what? on. Hold on a minute. Someone's coming around the corner. And while I'm at it, I'd better decide on the changes in back. I want the rear wall veneered with green brick, and the joints must be motorized. Oh, hello, Gerald. Hi, Peg. Hello, Barbecue Peg. Timothy Tuttle, you'd better move, or you'll be hurt by that falling wall. Uh-oh, Gerald. She saw the wall. Barbecue, I'm awful sorry about that wall. I didn't mean to disintegrate it with my tobacco juice. Whatever you talking about. The wall? He chucked out his tobacco juice, and the wall fell down. Don't be ridiculous. Honest, I did. There are 37 beavers on the other side wrecking this wall. And I didn't do it? Heavens no. I'm having this hotel torn down so I can have the plans changed. Guess you means it, Gerald. See, there'll be a lot of junk here in your way, Peg. Hold as I hadn't thought about that. Grasshopper, I'll pay you $53 to get a truck and haul this junk away. You will? Yes, here's a $57 bill. Keep the change. Thanks. Come on, Tim boy. I'll hire a truck be back the junk business before you can say Jack Robinson Crusoe. Well, if you're going to work, there's something else I'd rather do. What's that, turtle? Go to sleep. Good night, Grasshopper. Oh, oh. Oh, no, you don't, you lazy turtle. I need you. You're going to save me money. Well, how can a turtle save you money? I'm not going to hire a truck to haul this junk. I'm going to use your shell for a wheelbarrow. My shell? Yep. Get up and shell out, turtle. Oh, mighty, what a life. What a life. What a life indeed. Poor Tim can't use his shell for sleeping, but at least Gerald Grasshopper is happy with the new supply of junk to sell down in Wormwood Forest. 
Hey, hey, that's all today. We're so glad that you could stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. And next time, Strauss the Mouse offers music lessons at half price. Till then, this is Dippy Dwarf saying so long. Remember next Saturday, listen to our animal play. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Wormwood Forest, written by Tom Titchener, has come to you from WSM in Nashville, Tennessee. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Those three familiar notes. Yep, NBC. Yes. Nobody's got junk. Nobody's got junk to sell this time of year. No, not at all. So yeah, how wild is that? There's um that well the song the one song seems to be uh just a gigolo the you know I yeah, ain't but, got no junk. Yeah, it is, but that's the thing. That song predates uh David Lee Roth. Oh no no no, no. Uh, sweetheart sweetheart I'm not that ignorant. Um I know I'm, well, I'm, I'm just saying. saying I'm saying I just posted the David Lee Roth one because that was the yeah, only related fine. gift. That's good. The only reason I'm bringing that up is that's awfully funny for a kids show that they adapted the song on, you know, Just the Gigolo. That it was is. that was where that was my why I was kind of confounded by it. Uh, not yeah. because you know, uh, it, you know, I thought they ripped off David Lee Roth in the future. Um, <laughs> I've heard the Roth in the future. I've 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 heard the I've heard the original version of the song too. I don't remember who did it. Was it? Um, oh, gosh. I don't know. Lou something. Sinatra. No, it wasn't Sinatra. Sinatra. No, no, I don't. Um, no, that was that was more of a lowbrow song that you know Sinatra probably wouldn't touch. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm saying, but I I like the lowbrow thing, you know. You know, Sinatra is kind of I don't like Frank Sinatra. Don't get me started. But I just thought that that was funny. And then there were all these, you know, of course. Then the Beaver references and the tea bag references. <laughs> it got the show got a little dirty for us uh, us twenty uh, first century dirty minded adults. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, but no, that was fun. You know, uh, there, there were some interesting things there. And of course the, the junk, the junk dealer, Who, who's the junk dealer? What's the critter? Who's the junk dealer? I thought the grasshopper, the grasshopper. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Louis so. Primo did. I'm just a gigolo. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was Lou or Lewis or something like that. Yeah. Louis yeah. Primo. We, I've I have, never heard of him. So yeah, I have. I'll admit it. I found at the thrift store a couple of years ago when we were still oh. doing music on the radio network. I found an album of his greatest hits, and uh, have some of his music on the. Uh, Looks like network. Bing Crosby did a version in 1931, and Marlene Dietrich did one in 1979. Oh, interesting! Wow. And don't forget, interesting. David Lee Roth wrote it, and they tried time traveled and ripped him off. They did. So, uh -huh. but, uh, but anyway, all right, well, that takes us up to the top of the hour. I think we should probably take a break. And when we come back, we can, uh, pick up with, uh, Popeye the Sailor and Jerry the Circus. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Foxfire. Thanks for Googling it. Um, but yeah, oh, sounds nice. good to me. Let's take a break. 
All right, very good. And hopefully we'll have the kiddo drop coming up here uh, momentarily. So here's so some uh, here's some cereal commercials for everybody. I think Come kiddo likes. I'm Mr. Big and I'm tired of small cereals. Give me something with a big, big bite. Honeycomb Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not small. No, no, no. Honeycomb's got a big, big bite. Big, big taste in a big, big bite. Right, a nutritious breakfast for folks. Honeycomb gives you a big bite. Big, big bite. Honeycomb bite. You like my coat? It's made of golden sugar. Mmm. Tastes like the golden sugar coating on the super sugar crisp. Hey, boss, look! Yeah, a golden bear. Hold on, this is a golden sugar coat. Mm-mm, it's just like my cereal's golden sugar coating. Mm-mm. Golden sugar coating makes my cereal... Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah! And post-super sugar crisp cereal's part of a balanced breakfast. I love your cereal's golden sugar coating. That's why they call me sugar bear. Maybe you're sort of tired of eating the same old thing day after day. Maybe you'd like to try something different, something delicious, something with a marvelous flavor that just knocks the spots off any other cereal you've ever tried. Now, if that's the case, why don't you ask your mother to let you have a big bowl of crackly, crunchy, golden brown Wheaties Flakes tomorrow morning. Ask your mother to let you have a cereal you'll really like the taste of. Ask her for the big, husky cereal for wide-awake fellows and girls who not only start things, but who see them through. Your mother will be mighty glad to let you have Wheaties, too. For most any fellow's or girl's mother wants to see them eat a big bowl of a nourishing whole wheat cereal every morning. And your mother probably knows, too, that authorities now recognize that Wheaties supply the very same amount of heat-producing units you need to help keep your body warm these cold winter days as a cooked cereal does. So you can be sure she'll be glad to let you have all the Wheaties you want to eat this winter if you ask her for them. Remind your mother to always look for the famous seal of acceptance of the Committee on Foods of the American Medical Association whenever she buys Wheaties. That seal means much to her. It tells her that Wheaties are a pure product honestly advertised. And another thing, remind your mother that lots of grocers are featuring Wheaties and bananas now. Ask her to get some of each next time she goes to the store. Try that delicious breakfast combination tomorrow morning. You'll say it's well. Prime Wheaties, they're whole wheat with all of the brand. Won't you try Wheaties, for wheat is the best food of man. They're crispy, they're crunchy the whole year through. Jack Hampton never tires of them and neither will you. So just buy Wheaties, the best breakfast food in the land. Kellogg's best to you. 
baby! No way a little dude like you is gonna change oh. my ways! It's just a time you were tempted with the taste of nuts and honey! Hulk Hogan doesn't eat nuts and honey! Did you take this? An unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast? That's better than a body slam! Undefeated! And still champion! It's a honey of the night, it's honey that Cheerios! Singing Honey Nut Cheerios. I really wanted to sing the Honeycomb Hideout store song to you all. Oh. I'm sure you want that. Who doesn't want that? I see. Yes. But, um, yeah, isn't that Bing Crosby that's DJs on 50s on 5 on Sirius XM? Or is it somebody else? Uh. Say it again? There's a DJ on Sirius yeah. XM. Yeah, yeah. He's on five. Okay. And I think it's Ben Crosby. He's dead. Or am I confusing what? He's dead? Ben Crosby's dead. Then I'm confusing him with um the other guy that does the bath fitter stuff. <laughs> Pat Boone. <laughs> I'm confusing Bing Crosby and Pat Boone. That's sad. Alright, I'm sorry, but it's true. I get confused about people. Oof. Uh, your You're parents, like, oof. Your parents, a... your parents loved and listened to both. Yeah, so it, it was both boring and I confused them. I see. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, that was, uh, our little break. And, uh, yeah. we're back into things, uh, it we're back. Like, yeah. Seems like we're everybody back. had a, had a nice time with, uh, Popeye the Sailor, uh, last week. Apparently we, Tina, has replaced his spinach, um, of course, you know, product placement, but... You know, Popeyes always endorse other different kinds of food. There was, there actually was. Oh, I remember. Kiddo I re drop. Oh, kiddo, kiddo drop, drop. Kiddo drop. Kiddo discovers the wonders of the Gnome King's magic belt. Yay! Oh my goodness. And he's, he's wishing for snacks. I think. You were right. He was going for a package of, of something. So. Not spinach. Nope. Nope. Not kiddo. Not he doesn't Tina. want spinach. He want not with Tina. He wants snacks. He wants she, chips. He wants cheese pops. Yep. So, uh, good boy. Cheese poofs. Chippos. <laughs> Chippos. Snacks. Ah, uh, no, that's fun. So, all right. Well, uh, it's time for me to save an image. Uh, and nice. Set to coloring. And like uh, you do. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it seems like everybody had a nice time with uh, Popeye last week, or Popeye divorced uh, Olive Oil. <laughs> now he broke up with her. Um, it wasn't. I quite think they're that. just they're just having some trouble. She's freaking yeah. out about it though. He's always jealous yeah. of Bluto. So. Um, or somebody. But yeah, Foxfire says, "Yep, you nailed it. He wants the chips." So. <laughs> 
um, uh, just don't wish to be for a be become a ruler of a country where you can never be deposed. <laughs> we watched that, that Twilight good, Zone. Episode. Good Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, all right. But yeah, all right. So, uh, uh, well, here we go. I'm gonna set to coloring, and uh, Popeye is gonna uh, save the day with uh, the help of some wee Tina. All hands on deck. Here's Popeye. Try it with Popeye the Sailor Man. Letters, letters, letters from boys and girls everywhere. You just ought to see old Popeye's morning mail. It seems like all the boys want to be football players, and they're eating Popeye's favorite cereal because it makes muscle. And it looks like the girls all want to grow up in a hurry and be young ladies, so they eat Wheatina too. Because wheat Tina's regular growing food. And my, the roses it puts into their cheeks. Yes, sir. And, mmm, boy, how good it tastes. Well, any other boys and girls want muscle or want to go France? Okay, tell Mother you want that delicious wheat Tina tomorrow. <laughs> Peanuts and popcorn we find Popeye, Wimpy, Olive, and Matey visiting at the zoo. All hands are having one grand and glorious time. They've just walked up to the camel's cage. Well, blow me down. Has you ever seen the likes of such a peculiar animal? Gosh, Popeye, those bumps on his back look just like your muscles. Arf, arf, arf. If I had muscles that big, I could never get me shirt on. I heard that a camel can go nine days without water. Tut, tut. A trivial feat. Going nine days without hamburgers would be an accomplishment worthy of my admiration. Wimpy, you're just plain ignorant. Dumb animals never eat fried hamburgers. Perhaps that's why they are called dumb animals. Popeye, do you think the camera will like some peanuts? Now you has me stumped, matey. I know squirrels and elephants eat peanuts, but I never see the camel eat them. Well, I'll see if this one does. I am proud of you, matey. On account you wants to share what you got with others. Here, Camel, would you like a peanut? In Camel language, he means desist, stop, quit that. Be careful, matey. Don't stick your hand in the cage. Oh, he won't hurt me. But I guess Popeye is right. He don't like peanuts. Would that I were in a cage and the good public came to feed me hamburgers. Come on, all hands. After the elephant cage, so maybe can feed him the peanuts. Oh, wait a minute. Look at that funny animal. Do you hear what I hear? Well, I'm a brass good swap. If that's
that funny-looking mutt in the cage ain't a laughing at us. Is a member of the laughing hyena species. You mean an animal that can really laugh? Now I ask you, Olive, does that four-legged oof sound like he was crying? Well, for lamb's sake, what's he laughing at? He has just seen Popeye's face. I says pooey to you, Wimpy. You ain't never won no beauty contest. Does a hyena laughing mean a dog barking? Well, it, it's about the same thing, matey, I figures. I figure yonder elephants await their peanuts. Hooray! For once, Wimpy is thinking of somebody else's stomach. Twould appear I were a noble soul. We set the course straight for the elephant's cage. <laughs> Big. I wonder if one bag of peanuts will be enough. Well, maybe we make sure. We stops at this stand and we buys more peanuts. Ahoy there. Six bags of peanuts for matey here. Okay. Here you are, kid. Gosh, thanks, Popeye. Forget it, matey. What can I buy you, Olive? Hey, boss, we got a spongy cake, angela cake, and a stomach cake. Oh, dear. I'll just take a glass of lemonade. Okay, lady, come right up. There you are, kid. Popeye, Popeye, that sizzling, that beautiful fragrance, that intoxicating aroma. What are you talking about, Wimpy? Look, Miss Slowly Frankfurters lie lo- lordly hamburgers. So they is. Popeye, don't torture me. I don't understand you, Wimpy. Popeye, you're a fiend. Peanuts for matey, lemonade for olive. But what? Oh, what for Wimpy? Ah, ah, ah. Does you want some peanuts? Peanuts? Peanuts he offers me. Popeye, this kind gentleman also sells a hamburger. Oh, does you want a hamburger, Wimpy? Zounds. He toys with me. How can you be so cruel? My craving for those luscious hamburgers has me faint. You like for to have hamburger sport? So, this is a plot to rob me of my sanity. Popeye, I think Wimpy does want a hamburger. Matey, I has me suspicions. That's what he's trying to tell us. I feel the beast in me rising. Oh, why don't you try a glass of this lemonade, Wimpy? It's delicious. Demons, all of you. All right. Hey, mister, see if Wimpy will eat a hamburger. Okay, boss. Coming around up. I am trembling with anticipated ecstasy. Here you go. Here you go, sport. A thousand thanks, royal purveyor of heavenly delectables. Oh, glorious hamburger. Only Jay Wellington Wimpy can appreciate your scrumptious vitamins. Gee, Wimpy ate that hamburger fast. A pity such hamburger were not twins, <laughs> perchance even quintuplets. Here's your money, mister. How do you like that? Thanks, boss. Hey, friends, we set sail for the elephant cage. Way anchor, all hands. Oh, look, there's the elephant. Goodness gracious, aren't they enormous? Oh, boy, I hope they didn't have their dinner yet. I am flabbergasted. One of them monsters on me barge, and she'd hit Davy Jones' locker. A huge mammal indeed. Hey, Jumbo, come over here. Look what I got for you. 
Isn't he heavy? Well, I pity some poor swab's foot he steps on. Here's some peanuts for you, Jumbo. Slow me down. He sucks him up like a vacuum cleaner. Isn't it cute the way he curls up his trunk and blows him into his mouth? Here you are, Jumbo. I got some more for you. Oh, look. All the little children playing piggyback on yonder elephant. Where? Oh, look, Popeye. Look at all the kids. I am surprised. Riding an elephant? Please, Popeye, can I go for a ride? Sure, matey. Now, Popeye, it's too dangerous for the child. Aw, gee, all the other kids are doing it. Show your fears, Olive. If the other young ones can ride the elephant, so can matey. Oh, boy, thanks, Popeye. Come on. Then can't you bring the elephant over here? Nay, Mohammed must go to the mountain. Full speed ahead before it's too late. Come on. Avast there, Captain. Don't weigh anchor yet. Mady's coming aboard. <sighs> Sorry, just finished the last trip. Time for the elephants to go in now. Aw, shucks. I wanted a ride. And you get your ride. I buys all your tickets, mister. Well, I guess once more around won't hurt. Boy, oh boy. Give me a hand, Popeye. The elephant will lift you up, matey, with his trunk. Here, Jumbo. Put your trunk around the lad. Up you go. Gosh, it's high up here. Anybody else going? Olive, I think you better board the craft with matey. Me? The steed awaits, Miss Oil. Oh, Popeye, is it safe? Sure, just like riding in me barge. Will he squeeze me when he lifts me off? Nah, come on. Up you goes. You can shove off. Gracious, what's that? Ah, a junior rodent. Greetings, Mickey. Hey, look out. It's a mouse. A little mousekey can't hurt you none. But elephants are definitely afraid of mice. Oh, it's getting rough. I can't hold the elephant. Give me that rope. Go away, naughty mouse. out of the cage. I'll catch it him when he comes around. You can't do that. You'll be killed. I am going to rescue Mady and Olive. The cowardly mammal is returning. I stands right here and stops the elephant. Man alive. How can you stop a wild elephant? I grabs him by his nose. Here he comes. Get out of the way. I am not as scared of no elephant. Ronnie, he'll trample you down. I says I catches him by the nose. That elephant, cause he knocks me down. Could seem the mammal has won the first round. I catches the beast, but I needs extra muscle. Wimpy, me favorite cereal. What are your requirements, Popeye? Because the elephant is the biggest monster in the world, I needs at least four bowls to stop him. Four bowls coming up. Look. It's Wee Tina! 
is one, and another, and the third, and the fourth. Now look at me, Muscle. Now watch me catch that elephant and lay him among the sweepies. He's coming faster this time. You'll be killed. Come on, elephant. I checked your trunk. Popeye, save me! Ryan, Look out! I stopped him, Olive. Cast anchor there. Cast anchor, you monster. Holy smoke, he stopped the elephant. Popeye, he resents your holding his nose. Stand still, you beast, or I socks you one. Get me off! Get me off! Roll Popeye! Stand still, I says. Watch out. He's going to lift you up with his trunk. Let go. Popeye never lets go. Look out. I told you he'd raise you right up. Let go or he'll smash you against the paws of the cage. It is too bad I has to do it. But, Mr. Elephant, you forces me to suck you. <laughs> I am a sad swab, on account I has to sock a poor dumb animal. Oh, don't worry about the elephant. He has a thick skull. He'll get over it. That's good. And because I did not mean to hurt him, I hope this elephant forgets. Say, Popeye. Yeah, matey. It was only a teeny-weeny mouse that scared that big elephant, wasn't it? Yeah, matey. Which only goes to show, no matter how big anybody is, don't underestimate the little fella. Now, let's get this cereal business straight. As you know, there are a number of wheat cereals on the market, some hot, some cold. Several of them have wheat-sounding names, but they're not like Wheatina. There's only one Wheatina, W-H-E-A-T, Wheat. E-N-A. Now, don't forget those last three letters. E-N-A. Wheatina. Now, why is Wheatina hot? Well, because hot cereals are better for you. Where does that delicious flavor come from? From toasting that unrobbed wheat as only Wheatina does it. And when you want the hot brown wheat cereal... That gives you the vital parts of the whole grain and tastes so G-O-O-D. Mm-mm. You have to have Wheatina. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I am what I am, cause I am what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Punching animals. Punching dumb animals. Poor Elephant. Are you there, Sometimes Sirius? you got... You yeah, go. I'm sorry. I just... Uh, something popped up in front... And uh, I had uh, something so I couldn't unmute myself. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, some uh, sometimes you got to punch 
animals. Ask Doc. Um, no. <laughs> you can't punch animals. That's... Well... It's not right. Only after you... And what's up with the sound that they use for Popeye eating? Like, uh, Yeah, that his, was disgusting. He has one bowl. He has two bowls. That was disgusting, yeah. I was <laughs> You're like, making oh, fun was of it, disgusting. too. Disgusting. Um, That's why I posted... God, why can't I? All I'm trying to do is return to get my comment to go through on the frickin'. I'm just having thing. trouble. That's why I posted that uh, gif of the person eating. Just no, oh, I'm not looking stuff. at it. I'm I'm coloring. So, um, but yeah, okay. that's a disgusting um, sound effect. Yeah, eat eat your cereal, hot cereal, that fast, kids. <laughs> See, that's the thing with um, Popeye is like he had spinach. Underdog had a pill kept in his ring, but when they're putting Wetina on Popeye, it's just commercialism because yeah. you know spinach is actually delicious and good for you. If it's not in a can, if it's fresh, I mean, it's even better for you. But um. It with Tina, it's like you're, it's you're not supposed, the Suze does not yeah. approve. I do not approve of a lot of commercialism because it seems like when I was young, you know, they, they just started to do all the commercialism. Like, oh my gosh, if you can sell the kid, you can sell the adult. Oh, because they were doing that long before you were around. I'm, I'm not saying they weren't doing it. I'm just saying it became like most people's business models after we became kids, you know? Like, they really figured it out that if you sell the kid, you got the adult because the adult is the adult, you know? The money bags. Yeah, the the kid, the kid, the adult wants to please the kid, yeah. you know. So I don't know. I just hate it when people openly sell you stuff. And at least Popeye is like pretending that something is good for him. Yeah, sure. spinach. spinach. Spinach is good. I I know you're a fan. Uh, yeah, more than me. Um, but yeah, so uh, but yes, a hot bowl of brown wheat. <laughs> hot bowl of brown? What? That's yeah. disgusting. Stop it! Stop it! Um, Stop it! All right. So, well, uh, I guess we have just enough time to get to our two episodes of Jerry the Circus. Uh, so, with Jerry and the Circus, have a little time. Speaking to of a of a good thing that's not gonna like try to sell you something every five seconds. Oh, give it time. I'm sure they find sponsorship somewhere down the road. Do they? I don't know. I, I, I This is new to me. Hmm. So, alright. So, last we left Jerry of the Circus, the, the guys who stole the uh, circus payroll, the mustache twirler and his brainwashed uh, criminal buddy, uh, they hopped on a boxcar to, to get away Except uh, the the partner uh, uh, of the uh, mustache twirler started to get wise to the mustache twirler's plans, and he's like, "And the guilty me. run, the guilty she, run." But yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. 
And so the mustache twirler shoved him off the boxcar on the train that they were on. Meaning mustache twirler is completely and unbelievably guilty. And the other guy is kind of not guilty. Yeah, pretty much. Not a horrible person. So, so let's see where uh, Jerry the Circus picks up after that uh, that uh, that attempted murder. Jerry of the Circus. Jerry of the Circus. Bumps? Well, Jerry. Gee, I thought the show would never end tonight. <laughs> Down, Rags. Of course I'm proud of you. Down. Yes, yes, you put on a swell show tonight. You're a smart dog. Well, is something bothering you, Jerry? No, I, I guess I just wanted to talk to you, that's all. Well, let's head toward the wagon, huh? I'll take my makeup off and we'll... Oh, oh, look out for those zebras. I'm watching. Oh, they're treacherous little animals. You never know when they're going to take a notion to kick out it somewhere. Well, come on, Jerry. Okay. Come on, Rag. You know, I love watching the last parade at the end of the show. Oh, you mean uh, the last walk around? Yeah. The acts are all over, but, but when you all go around the ring again and the applause starts all over again, the crowd starts to leave and we start breaking up the show, taking down the tents and... Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, we got to have those things in our blood, Jerry. Most people, I guess, would rather go home, get into a nice warm bed and go to sleep. They just don't know what they miss. Bumps, hmm? I- I've been watching them load the animals and cart them off to the station. I just love to see all the dark shapes going through the lot at night with the music still going on in the main tent. <laughs> I guess you're right. Well, here we are. Uh, close the door, Jerry. All right, now, Jerry, what's on your mind? Nothing. Oh, no, you can't fool me. You're hanging around me for some reason. Well, I, I guess I'm just kind of sad. Hmm? Sad? Yeah, you know, after finding out about Decker. Oh, yes, I know, Jerry. I liked him, and now maybe he's a crook. I was afraid that was what on your mind. Now, now listen, in the first place, we haven't any proof. Uh, well, that is certain proof that he stole that money. Though I admit it looks kind of bad. If he only hadn't run away or tried to put the blame on Jason, that's the worst of it. I know. And Lorenz, too. I've always thought there was something peculiar about that combination. What do you mean? Well, Lorenz is such a different type than Decker. 
It just seemed unnatural for two men like that to be friends. You know, Bumps, the more I think about it, the funnier it seems. I sometimes had the feeling Decker was afraid of Lorenz. Yeah, he was under Lorenz's thumb, all right. Oh, but now you mustn't keep worrying about it, Jerry. Well, looks as if we're going to have company. Hello, who's there? Bumps, Jerry? Yeah, come on in, Jason. Oh, hello there. I saw the light and thought one of you might be in. Well, how come you're around so late, Jason? Yeah, you don't have to do the last walk around. By the way, why aren't you ever in the last parade? Oh, he's one of the stars in this show, Jerry. Well, aren't you two? Well, you bet Bumps is a star. But you see, Jerry, he runs all through the show, and I just have my one act, and then I'm through. <laughs> oh, Jason's just being modest. <laughs> you can't imagine me walking along in the grand parade with my lions on a leash, can you? Golly, the audience would be in a panic, all right. <laughs> Besides, Bumps can always think of some new things to do on the spur of the moment to please the people and make them laugh. I only know my one routine of tricks, or those I'm working on for the next season. <laughs> to hear Jason talk, you'd think he didn't have much to do, wouldn't you, Jerry? Yeah, but he's not telling about all the hours and days and weeks of training he's taken to handle those animals. Well, you're right there, Jerry. Lots of my work never shows. For instance, I'm heading for a job right now. Want to come along? Sure, what is it? Well, I've been waiting for them to get the lions loaded on the flat car so I could get over there and fix Daisy up again tonight. You bet I'd like to help fix her. Would you let me put the medicine on her this time? Well, I don't know about that. I saw you do it this afternoon. Oh, I know, Jerry, but you have to learn to handle well animals before you can do much with sick ones. Lions are pretty irresponsible when they're hurt. Well, a wild animal's first instinct is to strike out, Jerry. They don't stop to think that you've been good to them. That's because they're afraid, isn't it? Mm-hmm, that's it. Now, when you fix a child that's hurt, well, the child knows you're trying to help it. So does Rag. No matter what's happened, he lets me fix him up. He doesn't even whimper if he can help it. Someday we may get our wild animals to understand us that well, Jerry. But so far, we're just beginning to gain their confidence. It's uphill work. Well, if you two are going to fix that line, you better get started. Remember, we pull out of this town at two. Oh, we'll have lots of time. <laughs> you think after the day you've had, Jerry, you'd want to go to bed. Well, i, I got to learn all I can about the circus while I'm still young, don't I? I I'll never get anywhere if I don't. <laughs> Come on, Jerry, don't let Bumps kid you. You don't have to explain. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Come on, Rags. Uh... Goodbye, Bumps. Goodbye, Sam. Get on the train. Don't worry, Bumps. All right, Jerry. Have you heard any more about Lorenz and Decker, Jason? Well, I've just been talking to Randall. He's gotten in touch with the local police, and they've sent out telegrams to every town that the train passes through. You think they got away on the train, then? Well, it's the only train out of this town they could have gotten. If they're hanging around here anywhere, they'll certainly be picked up by the police in a hurry. And what about Mr. Bennett? Did Mr. Randall say whether he's going to get well enough to come with us tonight or not? Don't you worry about Jim Bennett. He's as tough as they make him. He'd come along with us tonight if they had to bring him on the train with a stretcher. He's brave, all right. You know, he walked all the way to the doctor's with me right after the holdup. When we got there, the doctor thought he might have con concussion or something. So it probably wasn't quite that bad. Here, Jerry, this way. We can cut across the tracks here. Hey, what's going on? It's right over there by the flat. See where the elephants are helping to load those wagons. Come on, let's hurry. Careful, don't get too close, Jerry. Looks like one of the elephants is on a ramp. <laughs> Jason, that elephant's picked up a man. Good night. Ernie! Ernie, stop that! Thank heaven Olsen's there. Get back there, Ernie. Get back! Is he hurt? No, just scared. Ernie, quiet now. Now, some of you men come here and watch this elephant. I want to find out just what this is all about. Who is this man? Oh, it's you, Zeke. He tried to kill me. He tried to kill me. I'll sue you for this. Come on, get up. Let's see if you're hurt. Come on. Now, listen here, Zeke. I told you before to stay away from that elephant. You and your crazy idea of playing jokes. 
But I'll be darned if I'll let you get my elephants into trouble. Well, why is he mad at that man? It was the elephant that caused all the trouble. I'll tell you all about it later, Jerry. I'll get the law on you, letting murderous elephants around honest folks. It ain't right. Now, look here, Zeke. If you want to stay with this outfit, you keep your nose clean. One word out of you, and I'll have you fired so fast you won't know what happened. Yeah, and it serve him right, too. Yeah, yeah, sir, right. Okay, men. Now go on, get back to work. We pull out of here in an hour. Well, hello, Olson. Looks like you've been having a little trouble. <sighs> trouble, my eye. If the men were as easy to handle as the animals, there'd be no trouble. What happened, Mr. Olson? You get Jason to tell you. I've got to go take Gertie out of here for the night. Aren't you going to let her work anymore? Uh, not tonight, I'm not. She's too excited, and I don't take any risks with my men or my elephants. I suppose this Zeke is the same driver you've complained of before. Yeah, he is. And you bet I don't complain about him no more. He behaves himself or he leaves this circus. Well, what's Zeke do this time? I don't know. I don't care. But one thing I won't have is him making a killer out of Gertie. She's one of the best workers I've got, and as gentle as a lamb. Well, I got to get her bedded down for the night. Come on, Gertie. Come on, Gertie. Listen to that open talking to Mr. Olson. <laughs> She's certainly scolding away about something. I guess I'm kind of dumb, but I can't figure this all out. Well, it was Zeke's fault. How do you know? Well, you heard the other men talking about him. Yeah, they all seem to be on the elephant's side. Well, they are. You see, Zeke has been teasing Gertie ever since he joined the circus. That's dangerous, isn't it? Well, I'll say it is. Come on down this way. Daisy's car is right below here. What kind of things does Zeke do? He used to get just beyond Gertie's reach when she was chained and take a long stick and tease her. Gee, that's mean. Yeah, and one day she got so excited she broke loose. Did she go after Zeke? Olsen just happened to come by then, so she didn't have much chance to do anything. I don't think I'd like to be in Zeke's shoes. I'm sure I wouldn't. Well, here's the car. Can you climb up here, Jerry? Sure thing. Rags. Up you go. <laughs> good boy. Good, good for you. And Rags, too. That dog certainly can jump. Jerry, want to help me push this panel back? Sure. There we go. Yeah. That's right, Daisy. Yeah, I just want to fix you up a little. Can I help? You hold this stick while I get this cotton wound around it. Uh, there now. Plenty of medicine. You certainly on it and... put a lot of that stuff on. Well, I want to be sure to get enough on the first time. Here we go. That's right, Daisy. There, I guess that fixes you for the night. Well, come on, Jerry. Help me here with this panel. There. Thanks, Jerry. Well, I guess we've done our good deed for the night. What do you think we'd better do next? Well, we've got a lot of time before the train pulls out. Hmm. Maybe we'd better get to bed. Well, uh, of course, if you say so, but... Unless you think you might like a little pie and some ice cream. Oh, boy. Do you mean it? I take it you would like some, then. You bet I would. Gee, thanks. Okay, Jerry. Let's head for the station. There's a restaurant there, and they'll be open. I'm hungry, boy. Well, why didn't you say so? Well, I... It's sure nice to be asked, though. (laughs) I like your company, Jerry. You know, Jason, I I can't get over that elephant. You mean Gertie? Yeah. Funny how they remember things. Don't they ever go after the wrong man? Never. They don't make that mistake. You see, Jerry, one reason Olsen gets so upset is that if... Gertie should ever get mad enough to kill a man, she'd probably have to be shot. No. Well, that's the rule. So you see, Olsen wants to keep her from getting so worked up that she might do something like that. Golly, I'll say. Is this the restaurant you mean? Yeah. Come on, Rags. Yeah, let's sit here at the counter. Hi, boy. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jim. Hi, Joe. Now, let's see. Uh, waiter. Yes, sir? Have you got any pie? You probably have. Almost any kind you want. Well, how about apple, Jerry? Yeah, that's well. And can I have some ice cream, too? (laughs) You bet you can. Two apple pies a la mode and a cup of coffee. Coming right up. Well, what do you got there, Jerry? That picture of my Uncle Dan, the one Patsy's dad sent her. Yeah, he's certainly a fine-looking man, isn't he? Yeah, and that's not all. He's a wonderful man, too. He's real brave. He traps wild animals and shoots better than an Indian. <laughs> I've heard of him, Jerry. 
Well, the morning paper already. Here, boy, I'll have one of those papers. Yes, sir. Here you are. Thank you. Anybody else? Please? Well, Jerry, here's our pie and ice cream. Sure looks good, huh? Mm, you bet. Uh, be careful of your uncle's picture, Jerry. You don't want to get it all sticky. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll put it in my inside pocket here. That's where I usually keep it so it won't get mussed. Mmm, boy, this is sure good ice cream, boy. I think mm. I'll have a look at this paper and see what's happened in the outside world today. If, if there's anything exciting, tell me about it. I, I'm too busy doing anything but eat right now. Well, Jerry. What? Well, look here. Oh, that's awful. What is it? Well, listen to this. Suffering from numerous contusions and abrasions and possible internal injuries, an unidentified man was discovered lying in an unconscious condition in the right-of-way of the L.R. and S. railroad tracks late tonight by a crew of track workers. Authorities are said to believe he was either pushed or had fallen from the westbound 540 train. No identification was found on his person or in his pockets except... What's the matter, Jason? Except that he wore a full beard, which... Jason, you, you don't think... You don't think it's Decker? I don't know what to think. But that's the train he and Lorenz took. Where have they got him now? Well, let's see. Rushed to the emergency hospital at... Oh, golly, that's the town we play tomorrow. And we'll be there for three days. Hmm. Well, we'll certainly have to check on this. I'll bet Randall and the police will be interested in this bit of news. hospital there and visit him. Would you like an egg McGuffin? <laughs> yes. And a piece of pie, please. On a mold and a cup of coffee. I like Black. your company, Jerry. I like spending yeah. time with you, boy. I like spending time with a young man. Oh, boy. So... Boy, oh boy, Jerry in the circus. I don't know. I, uh, it's it's a good story. But yeah, I think they're I think they're gonna figure out who the real villain is real soon. It's the guy who runs. That's uh, the guy who's guilty. Yeah. Well. It's really. As my old co-worker used to say, it's not rocket scientist. <laughs> it's not, yeah, uh, she used to say that. It's not rocket surgery? Yeah, she, she did. She used to say it's not rocket surgery, too. Uh, that was great. Or brain science. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, that, that that's, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, again, we've got quite the MacGuffin going on there. Oh, well, we just happen to be reading this newspaper. That will, and that could be them. Well, is it? Is it them? I think it is. I think it is. Well, let's Who else could exist in the universe? Uh, Nobody. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, so Decker and what's the other guy's name? Yeah, I keep forgetting. Yeah. I keep forgetting it too. Uh, Decker is the, the guy that's brainwashed. Decker was the guy that's brainwashed, and then the other guy is the mustache twirler. So. Yeah. So he has a much more evil sounding name. But, um, 
All right. Well, we have just enough time to play this one and then uh, say our goodbyes. So, uh, Excellent. here we go. Jerry the Circus uh, from 1937. The follow-up. Jerry of the Circus. for Jerry of the Circus. Here we are, Mr. Randall. Not a bad building for a police station. No. Here you are, driver. Oh, thank you, sir. Coming, Mr. Randall? Of course. Well, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this job. Certainly hate to have to spend half my time in town with the police just because a couple of men with a circus get into trouble. Or run away from it. Uh, you're right this time, Jason. Well, here we go. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. I'm Sam Randall of Randall Brothers Circus. I phoned Captain Reed that I'd be in this morning. Oh, yes, sir. He's expecting you right this way, please. Good. Come along, Jason. Well, it's certainly nice not to be kept waiting. I thought we'd never get through all that red tape at the hospital this morning. I wouldn't have minded that if we'd accomplished anything. But with Decker still unconscious, it means we'll have to go through the whole thing again tomorrow. At least we've identified him. Uh, not so easy to do with all those bandages on his face at that. Poor devil. He's certainly badly cut up. It's a wonder he's alive at all. They say the train is usually going about 60 miles an hour in that run. And just down this corridor, gentlemen, his clothes certainly a mess. Torn and bloody and rolled in cinders. Lucky for him that hand car came along so soon. He'd never have lived to... To land it in jail? Yeah. Here we are, Mr. Randall. Uh, Captain Reed, uh, Mr. Randall to see you. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Randall. Glad to see you. Yeah. This is Jason, Captain, the star of our show. I'm looking forward to your act. Well, thank you. Sit down and make yourselves comfortable. All right, Riley. Now then, you've been to the hospital? Yes, just before coming here. It's Decker, all right. Good. That's one of them located. Mm, any developments yet on Lorenz? I'm sorry to say no, not a glimpse of him. Any danger of his escaping altogether? Well, there's always a chance. However, we're getting excellent cooperation all along the line. The reports are coming in regularly, and I firmly believe we'll catch up with Lorenz. Do the publicity pictures help much in tracking him down? Of course, some. But there are so many tricks in changing the general appearance that just a picture is more often misleading than helpful. Mm, he doesn't uh, fit into any of your rogues gallery? Of course, we haven't any fingerprints to check, but he looks like a man that got into trouble on the West Coast several years ago. That man got away. Uh, they've never caught up with him? Not that I know of. At the time, he was wanted for a couple of bank robberies. 
The police thought he resembled an ex-convict by the name of Pietro Lenzo. Mm, so he'd served time. About, for about five years. Mm, I can see you've been doing quite a lot of work in this case, Captain. We surely have. What a job. Checking with other states, looking up old records. It's tedious, and... but it's necessary. Tracking down criminals is a man-sized job these days. And especially in this country, where you can go from state to state without any checking up processes. Yeah, and I... I think I've got my hands full taking care of one circus. <laughs> I can imagine you do have your hands full, Randall. Don't let him fool you, Captain. He's got that circus so well organized that it would run without him. I know that. I've had dealings with Sam Randall for years. Even when circuses were in disrepute, Randall used to keep his people in order. Well, thank you, Captain. I used to try hard enough. It wasn't easy. I know. Some towns wouldn't even allow circuses to play on account of the trouble they usually caused with the townspeople. One thing I will say is... When I once got into town and played an engagement, they always let me come back. He must have had quite a reputation in those days, Mr. Randall. He did. <laughs> Randall's circus was known from coast to coast. It wasn't so big as it is today, but it always offered the finest talent and a nice assortment of animals. Yeah, those were the good old days, but they were fighting days. Fighting? Yeah, we had to fight with the authorities to let us play. We had to fight off all the hangers-on that were used to following any circus or carnival that passed through the towns. Then we had to keep from letting the town rowdies fight us. They were the worst. <laughs> a circus in town meant just one thing to all the bums and beggars and good-for-nothings. An opportunity to see the show for nothing, eh? If they could get by with it. And a chance for a fight if anyone tried to stop them. <laughs> ah, what a life. And I'm glad that's all over with. Nowadays, we fill our tents with children and mothers and nurses. And as for the fathers, they're our best customers. <laughs> if the rest of the men are anything like me, they just never have had enough circus, even when they were boys. I'm sorry, Mr. Randall, but it's getting late. Oh, I should say it is. I tell you, Captain, when I start harking back to the old days, I never know when to stop. Come over and catch our show. Uh, hear a couple of passes. Thank you, sir. I certainly will. And uh, drop by my office afterwards, and we can have plenty of time to hash over the old days. I'll do that. <laughs> and now about this Lorenz. Uh, I almost forgot why I came. Uh, you'll let me know immediately if any developments, won't you? The slightest bit of news and you'll be informed. Now, about Decker, uh, what's the procedure there? I take it he's too badly hurt to be moved yet. Well, the doctor says it'll mean death to move him for some time. In that case, we leave him there until they say he can be moved to the hospital in the jail. Mm, he uh, hasn't regained consciousness yet. Doctor thinks he'll be conscious by morning, so I'm going back again tomorrow. Good. And in the meantime, you'll hear from me if anything comes up. Well, thank you, Captain. Well, goodbye and... Don't forget to come and see our show. I wouldn't miss it for anything. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, Goodbye sir. Well, he's a pleasant fellow, isn't he? Yes, and very competent. I'm willing to bet Captain Reed will get Lorenz, and soon, too. Decker, Jason. Just for a minute. How'd he look? Oh, you couldn't see much of him. All bandages. Oh, awful. Imagine falling off a train right on the tracks. I don't see how he's still alive. Well, the doctor can't understand it either. They had to shave off his beard. He did. His whole head was pretty badly messed up. And that was the only way they could treat the wounds. Gee, and there's no sign of Lorenz at all, mm -hmm. huh? Not one. I wish Bumps was through. I know he'll want to hear all about everything. You know, he and I kind of liked Decker. Yeah, I know you did. As a matter of fact, I'm mighty surprised he should be teamed up with a man like Lorenz. Oh, my goodness, look who's here. Hello, you. Oh, you're through already, huh? Gee, you needn't make so much noise about it, Rags. Where's Bumps? 
Where's that partner of yours, huh? Here I am. Oh, oh, what a house. I tell you, it's a pleasure to play before a crowd like that. They're certainly jammed in there this afternoon. Mostly kids, too, aren't they? Uh, Kids make the best audience. I like matinees, especially if they're packed in like today. What you so excited about, Rags? Well, didn't he tell you? He's certainly trying hard enough to. Looks to me, Jerry, as if you can't understand Rags very well. Oh, I can, too. Oh, oh, don't let him kid you, Jerry. (laughs) Didn't you see what he did in the walk around just now? No, I, I... I guess I was talking to Jason. Well, you sure missed it. He jumped up and pretended to bite me in the seat of the pants. <laughs> and he held on for dear life. Oh, he did. He sure did. <laughs> and I kept pretending to brush him off. Well, we must have run halfway up one side with him hanging on by his teeth. Why, Rags, you're... <laughs> <laughs> and that's not all. When I got him off, he ran away from me. I chased after him as if my life depended on it. He caught up with that Rosenback that carries the gilded lady. Yeah, I know. And Rags jumped clean over her. Over the gilded lady? Right across her oh, lap. I slid her almost to death. <laughs> it's a wonder she didn't fall <laughs> off. Well, she nearly did. But the crowd roared. Oh, didn't you hear him? Seems to me I did kind of notice it. But, but Jason was telling me about Decker. <laughs> How is he, Jason? Well, you can't tell yet. He was still unconscious this morning. Bumps. Uh, yes, sir. You know, I, I wish we could see Decker. Well, I guess we can all right, it, but... He must be awful to have such a terrible accident and then come to and not find any friends or anything around. Well, I guess you're right at that, Jerry. I know it's awful is taking all the money and hitting Bennett on the head. And trying to put the blame on me. I know, but, but still, I... Oh, I'd just like to see him. Well, if you feel that way about it, Jerry, I, I think maybe we'd better see him. Could we go now before dinner? Well, well, sure, Jerry. I guess we can make it if we hurry. I'll change in a jiffy and we'll take the trolley and get right down there. You will? Thanks, Bumps. Well, seeing as I've been in town all morning, I think I'll head for a nice walk before dinner. See you later. Yeah, thanks for telling me about things. And don't be late for dinner, Jason. <laughs> don't you be late. Bye. Gee, Bumps, you're swell to take me. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. I'd kind of like to see him myself. Gee, everything's so quiet and quiet here. It has to be. You see, we take care of sick people. They must never be upset if we can help it. And, of course, if everything is white, it means things have to be kept clean. Uh, am I right, nurse? <laughs> That's it. Here we are. This is his room. Now, be quiet. Can't we talk? Yes, but not loud. I thought you said he's still unconscious. Well, he is. But he may come out of it any minute, or it may take a day or so. When he begins to regain consciousness, everything must be quiet. So he won't get excited and get worse, huh? Exactly. Oh, the poor devil. See, you can't recognize him with all those bandages on and no beard. Must have been a terrific shock to his nervous system. Oh, it'll take him a long time to get completely over it, if he ever does. Oh, uh, Miss Ellison. Yes, Doctor. You ready to change the bandages? Yes. These uh, people... Who, uh, we're friends of the injured man, Doctor. Oh, yes, of course. Well, you'll have to excuse me while I... Gee, Doctor, couldn't we please watch? We'll be quiet. Well... Oh, I... please, we'll be good. Well, now, maybe it's against the rules. You, you shouldn't ask. No. It's all right if the boy wants to. The patient is still unconscious. It won't upset him. Gee, thanks. This is like watching an operation, isn't it? A little. Not quite so strenuous. Oh, here, nurse. If you'll help me with these bandages. Yes, doctor. Good. I'll cut it here. Why, don't they work fast, Bumps? Yeah, they don't waste the movement. Oh, poor man. Look how he's bruised and cut up. Oh, Bumps. You want to go out, son? No, I'll I'll watch. Too much for you, son? No. Gosh, though, I, I hate to see anybody hurt that much. Bumps. Mm-hmm. What is it, Jerry? Look. 
Well, where? At Decker. Look, can't you see? Hmm? Well, what do you mean, Sam? What are you talking about? Decker, he... Wait a minute. Well, what have you got there? This picture. See? The one of Uncle Dan that Patsy's father sent. I've been carrying it in my inside pocket, see? Oh, yes, but I don't know why you're so excited. But, Bumps, he's just like my uncle. What? You mean... Decker... Decker looks exactly like my Uncle Dan now that they've cut off his beard. Can't you see it? Oh, my God. Well, well, Jerry, I I do believe you're right. Jumping Juniper. No, 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 this is silly. He can't. He is my uncle. I know he is. Not so loud, son. But but he's my (laughs) uncle. He's my uncle because Never mind, Doctor. I'll take him. I'm sorry this happened. He had amnesia. Shut that chicken up. No, I'm not. But I'll see you before I go, Doc. Now, come along. Can't believe it! I, I just can't believe oh, really? it. No, no, take it easy, sir. But why should he use another name? Why, why shouldn't he recognize me when I joined the circus? He, he did act kind of funny when he heard my name, but but not as if he knew me. Oh, you, you must get hold of yourself, Jerry. But my own uncle, a criminal. Oh, Bumps! I, I can't believe it. Something's wrong someplace. Now, Jerry, Jerry, you you must be quiet. Now listen, sir. We'll come back here tomorrow as soon as Decker regains consciousness, huh? And if he's your uncle. We'll find out what it's all about. And we'll kill him with murder. That's right. Oh, we'll murder kill him. Look, with murder. the picture of my uncle looks just like him. Without the beard. So I know, with without my beard, you wouldn't recognize me. Nope. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I'm just amazed how... Remember last... Last night in the middle of the night, I tried to kill you when you went to get a midnight snack. True, I, but I haven't. Who are you? Where's I, your beard? I haven't shaved my beard. Yeah. So I'm just, just always surprised. Every time I shave, though, I'm like, wow, my upper lip is a lot longer than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We forgot to tell people that I gave you a new haircut, and it looks great. Yeah. And then you cut my hair, and it looks great. Yeah. Maybe we've been in quarantine too long and we think everything looks great. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think that's an interesting little twist. Jerry's uncle is Decker. Yeah. And we, we he, he had he did have the amnesia, uh, the memory loss. He did. And, and uh, he got decked. And he got decked and thrown off the train. Yeah. And Lorenz. By evil guy. Lorenz is the evil guy. Okay, Lorenz. Yeah. The payroll stealer, Lorenz. Yeah. So, thank God that music. But it wasn't Decker's fault, because Decker had amnesia. Hey, he was brainwashed by the mustache twirler. Hmm? He was hypnophied. So, yep. so yeah, that that's a fun little uh little, Yeah, that's a cliffhanger. Twist. I wish we yeah. could keep going, but it is nine o'clock almost. So yeah, true. We is. must say goodbye. We must. That's where we uh, bring in our intro slash outro music. I can't uh, believe it. That guy's my uncle. I know it. I just know it. I just know it. It's a hospital. You better be quiet. Shut up. Shut up. It's a hospital. People trying to get well in here. Jeez. You lunatic. Crazy. Uh, so. <laughs> it's time for go to bed. It's no time to start screaming. I think he's my uncle. Time for go to bed. It sure is. That's great. So, uh, yeah. So that that was a you know that was fun. I, I I do enjoy Jerry of the Circus. I'm surprised I never heard of it. 
uh, before now, but I guess a lot of the old-time radio shows that I enjoy, um, they're kind of more adult, uh, you know, the, the, the prime time stuff. And uh, a lot of the channels, they don't they don't peddle in the kids' stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I, th I think this is a pretty well done one. I think the audio is the sound effects are nice. You know, the elephants sound like yeah. elephants. Rags is still a fake dog. It's just a guy yeah. going rawr 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 rawr. Yeah, it's oh, a dude. Oh, that's true. Well, so I like, think it's nice that it's a time before before the war. Yeah. You know. Edging into WW2, yeah. Yeah, but you know we're coming out of the depression a little bit, but before sure. the big war. Yeah. And the violent atrocities that happened during that time. Yeah. So, well, at any rate, everybody, uh, please tune in to It Came from Cleveland tomorrow. We'll be back with our, our live programming. I, I it was nice to take a week off from. Uh, at least doing the big three-hour broadcast. I had a crazy week last week and needed some downtime. Well, you know those, yeah, those robots kind of took over, and I, I think did. that they might, they might need some disciplinary action because they yep. are really horrible, horrible robots. Yeah, red card warning. They got into my email. Um, oh so, my god! Yeah, and they read that FBI letter. Oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, so tomorrow we'll have a lot more fun stuff. Uh, we'll get back in the saddle. Um, and, uh, yeah, tune in. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. That's all I got. Yep. He came night, from everybody. Cleveland. Good night. What it, do you have anything else you want to add, Suze? You can't. No, I just wanted to say goodbye, and it was lovely to talk to all of y'all. And, uh, who knows? Um, anything could happen. But, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Time for Go to Bed, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>